0: What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. It's been a week since the last time everyone's heard from me. Took a nice little week off. Gonna be back on the two episodes per week grind. Appreciate Everyone once again for listening today. I'm be going into all the news regarding the Buffalo Sabres since the last time I talked about them. There's been a lot of things going on, um COVID related with them. I'm be getting into that and why the NHL and the New Jersey Devils are to be blamed for why the Sabres have not been playing. I'm going into the NFL Honors Awards, talking about two specific things with the Bills that they should be upset about, of two people that should have gotten awards that did not. And then finally, after last night's Super Bowl and the Bucks just destroying the Chiefs 31-9, I'm here to tell you why the Buffalo Bills now have the recipe to go to the Super Bowl next year in L.A. and how they can beat the Chiefs to get there. But starting off with the Buffalo Sabres, so today Rasmus Dahlin was added to an already long list of COVID um, players for Sabres now It is noted that it hasn't been reported whether these players have tested positive or whether or not they are just considered close contact tracing. The thought to me is if they're getting added in these days, the thought is they probably have tested positive. But now the Sabres list includes Taylor Hall, Jake McCabe, Brandon Montour, Rasmus Russelainen, Casey Middlestat. Tobias Reeder, Dylan Cousins, Curtis Lazar, now Rasmus Dahlin, and head coach Ralph Krueger is confirmed to have tested positive for it. So this all came to fruition last week. The Sabres beat the Devils 4-3 in a shootout on January 30th. Um, Kyle Palmari plays in that game and then is added to the COVID list the very next day when the Sabres were scheduled to play the Devils. It was reported that the Sabres and their players contacted the NHL Players Association and apparently contacted the NHL in some capacity, but yet the NHL still had them play that game. Um, so they go through, they play that game, um, nothing really happens. The Sabres are scheduled to go and travel and play the Islanders a few days later. Um, they do not travel. Originally, it is reported that because of the snowstorm, they're going to travel a day of Then, all of a sudden, the news comes down that both Taylor Hall and Rasmus Linen have tested positive. And, in the meantime, the Devils have a bunch of cases break out of their own. The Sabres clearly upset because they had made this um, issue known to both the NHLPA and the NHL. And, nothing was done about it. They were still made to play that game. So, then, in the coming days, the Devils have over 15 players added to the COVID list. So not only are the Devils not playing, now the Sabres have not played since then. Their series against the Bruins, the series against the Islanders, and their upcoming series this week against the Capitals is very much up in the air, as it seems like every other day. Now the Sabres are adding more and more players. And it's just a complete lack of awareness by the NHL. It's a terrible job by the Devils that even though the NHL didn't do their job in telling them to play... To me, the Devils as an organization should have had the whereabouts because of the pandemic going on, everything going on, player safety. Even Devils players, I feel like, shouldn't have felt comfortable with Palmieri testing positive, but yet they still go out and play the Sabres and get them exposed, including their over 60-year-old head coach, Ralph Kruger. So now the Sabres are basically penalized for being forced to play a game. Now they're going to be losing out on games. Who knows what the NHL's plans are for the end of the season, if they're going to be able to make up these games the sabers were off to an okay start and now they have no momentum whatsoever once they even do start practicing and they can come back to play who knows when that's going to be they're probably going to be shorthanded in a bind in an already really tough division um and it's just a terrible job by the nhl the nhl went through the bubble with you know all the covid things going on they made it through really no positive cases whatsoever And now it just seems like they have no protocols whatsoever there's no communication between the league and its teams at least not to the degree it needs to be there's not punishment for a team like the devils that still played even with covid players i know that's not completely on them but i feel like there has to be some sort of penalty whether that's a fine or draft pick whatever and you're punishing these teams that aren't doing anything wrong and following all the protocols The NHL has seen what the NBA, what the NFL has done. The NFL just went through a full 16-game season. And yes, there were a few games moved around, but there was no game, you know, cancellations. Every game got played. Obviously, there were players that had to go through um, COVID and things of that nature. But you're talking about the NFL who's carrying 50-plus players, you know, 52-man on the roster plus all their practice players plus all the coaches involved in the NFL and they were able to make it work yes the NBA is not perfect either but they've been making it work with all the travel that's been going on so to me it begs the question of what the NHL is doing wrong they have to get it together whether that's taking a one week break now trying to get this under control or they have to have some sort of secondary plan and I don't know if the NHL prepared to do that. Whether that's playing these mini-bubbles because it's only going to be division games anyway, putting one full division in one city and have them play all their games in a bubble. Um, these are things that they should have been t- taking note of before the seed started. And it seems like the NHL, after having a really good bubble and doing all the things right, just wasn't prepared for this season in any way. And now the Buffalo Sabres are suffering from it because now when they come back, they're going to be, you know, even though they could say they'll be arrested... They haven't been practicing. They're still a young and, you know, newly formed team with a bunch of additions. you are going to have players that aren't going to be able to play. You know, guys like Dylan Cousins, Rasmus Alin, who have been added later in this week, aren't going to be able to play in games compared to a guy like Taylor Hall or Rasmus Verlaine, who are the original ones added. It's going to take time. We don't even know when the Sabres are going to play next. It was reported earlier today that the Sabres could take the ice to practice as soon as tomorrow pending all the tests but then Rasp Stalin tested positive today we don't know when Ralph Kruger is going to come back it's just a complete terrible job by the NHL it's clear that the Sabres are very upset there's been no answer to the Sabres the NHL hasn't made any statement of any sort about what they plan to do or why the Devils and Sabres even had to play that game they haven't answered any of those questions the Sabres still have no idea what's going on And if I'm an NHL player, I'd be frankly ticked off because either the NHLPA or the NHL is lying to you because the Sabres clearly made contact the NHLPA. The NHLPA says they contacted the league. The league says the NHLPA never contacted them. One of them is lying. And if I had to bet my money, it's the NHL is lying because they don't want to look bad. But it's just a complete terrible job all the way around. And the Sabres are suffering from it. So until the Sabres play again, there's really not much else to talk about other than who's going to be added, who's coming off of it, and any news with the scheduling, but just a completely terrible job overall by the NHL, and we're just going to have to play a wait-and-see game with the Sabres. Moving on to the next topic for today's show, the NFL did their honors show just a few short days ago before the Super Bowl. Um, a lot of Bills players were up for nominations. You had Josh Allen for MVP. You had Sean McDermott for Coach of the Year. Harrison Phillips was the nomination for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. That award went to Russell Wilson. Um, Josh Allen did not win MVP. He did come in second place, receiving four votes. Aaron Rodgers won that by a landslide. I don't think there's a huge debate whether or not Josh should have won that award or not. I think Aaron Rodgers definitely deserved it. I thought there would have been a little bit more votes for Josh, but I can understand why Aaron Rodgers had a phenomenal season for the age he was at. Um, playing a bunch of really tough teams in the NFC and just had an incredible year. Um, so respect Aaron Rodgers. Good job by him. I think Allen's going to continue to be an MVP conversation going forward. The two awards I do want to talk about, though, I'm going to start off with the Offensive Player of the Year Award, which went to Derrick Henry, which I don't question him getting it. Running for 2,000 yards in a season is truly impressive. And the other nominations were Aaron Rodgers and Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey... I can understand because, you know, 1,400 yards, most ever by tight end NFL history, deservedly so. But the fact that Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs were not in that conversation is mind-boggling. Stephon Diggs led the NFL in receptions, led the NFL in receiving yards with a new team, new offense, an offseason where you don't really have a training camp, you have a lot of walkthroughs, He was banged up for part of the year. He has to have a new chemistry with a new quarterback. He was dominating the entire season, and he's not even mentioned for the Offensive Player of the Year. And like I said, I don't think that giving it to Derrick Henry is anything wrong. I think it's probably the right call. But to me, Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, Josh Allen, they could have all been nominated for this award too. I like the idea of giving it to other players that aren't nominated for an award like that which is why I'm glad that guys like Kelsey and Derrick Henry were in that conversation. But the fact that Devontae Adams, a guy who caught over 15 touchdowns and Stephon Diggs leading the NFL in almost every single wide receiver statistical category outside of probably touchdown receptions, the fact that he's not even mentioned in that to me, um, is a little bit of a slap in the face to him. And then the big one is Sean McDermott. The fact that Sean McDermott, not even the fact that he lost, that he lost by a vote, vote count of 25 to 7 to Stefanski of the Browns. And not that Stefanski did a bad job. He ended the drought for the Browns. They went 11 and 5. They went to the playoffs, this, that, and the other. But Sean McDermott had a better record. They went 13 and 3. They won the division. Stefanski and the Browns finished third in the division. The Bills had a 5-2 record versus winning teams this year. If you want to count playoffs, they had two more wins against the Colts and the Ravens, whereas the Browns went 3-3 versus winning teams. The Bills had a plus 126 point differential for their team this season. The Browns were negative 11. And I understand Stefanski ended the Browns drought and whatever, but if you're going based on just that then there's absolutely zero reason that Sean McDermott doesn't win the award back in 2017 because he led the Bills to a 9-7 record with a very tough schedule ended the 17-year playoff drought. So if you're going to get to him just based on that alone, then Sean McDermott should have won it back then. And all these Browns fans that want to say that, you know, the Bills have an easy division, we would have done the same thing. Well, no, because the Dolphins are a very good team, The Patriots, no matter what you want to say, are always going to be a tough out because of Bill Belichick. You, Browns fans, and I know you had receivers out, but you still lost to the Jets, so I don't want to hear that you would have beaten everyone in our division. The Bills went undefeated in their division and won their division. We beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. We beat the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs. I'm sure we probably would have beaten you if we played you. And, you know, you lose to Pittsburgh multiple times. Um, throughout the, or excuse me, you lost to them once and then you barely beat their backups with Mason Rudolph to get into the playoffs with a team that has a ton more first round high end talent than the Bills do. And I think Stefanski actually went into a great situation where you have guys like Miles My- Garrett, Ward, Baker Mayfield, who was the number one overall pick, the ground game of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, with Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., David and Ju- Joku. Austin Hooper, comparing that to a Bills team that we weren't really sure about going into the season because of all the new additions, the no offseason. To me, it's a no brainer that Sean McDermott should have won this award. And the worst part about it is that McDermott probably won't ever get recognized for an award like this because now that the Bills had this good of a season, that it's going to be expected, and Stefanski should be in the same thing that they should be expected to make the playoffs every year. And now it's the expectation that the bills do the same thing and we will make the playoffs. We could even go to the AFC championship game again, and it's still not going to matter. And I just think that ending a playoff drought probably had a ton to do with this. And I just don't think that's a fair way to give out this award. And I think Sean McDermott definitely was the biggest snub of the entire NFL award show. And then ending today's show, a happy note for bills fans. Um, you know, I'm sure they weren't too happy last night because they all still hate Tom Brady. They don't like seeing him win. Some Bills fans are probably happy because they don't like the Chiefs ready. It's kind of the building of a new rivalry now that Brady's gone out of you know the AFC. They throttled the Chiefs thirty one to nine, win the Super Bowl. But what the Bucks did was basically give the Bills a blueprint for this offseason and what they need to do to not only beat the Chiefs, but get to the Super Bowl. I think you learned very quickly that getting a pass rush is essential. Patrick Mahomes yesterday running for his life, just like Josh was when we played the Chiefs, 26-49, 270 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. And because he was running first life, because you were able to get the pressure on him, Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, Robinson, Watkins, all these speed guys were very much neutralized. Um, It also begs the question what the Bills game plan was because we couldn't get any pressure. Tyree Kelsey running all over the field, all over us. If you get pressure on Mahomes, the speed of Hill and Hardman, those guys, isn't as effective because Mahomes doesn't have the time to find those guys. Having a run game and a tight end in your offense clearly matters. Leonard Fournette, 16 carries, 89 yards, one touchdown, additional four receptions for 50 yards. Ronald Jones, 12 carries, 61 yards. You're able to have that balanced attack. And I know, you know, Tom Brady only threw 29 passes yesterday, and that's not really how the Bills are going to win games. Josh is clearly a good thrower now. I think he's kind of ended everyone that said he was a terrible passer. It's clear the Bills want to pass the ball. But instead of Josh I to throw it 40 to 50 times per game, he can be around that 30 to 35 mark if you can get an adequate running game. Rob Gronkowski, six receptions, 67 yards, two touchdowns. Cameron Brait, three receptions for 26 yards. It's not a lot of yardage, not a lot of receptions, but it's way more than what the Bills tight ends gave them all year. You know, Tyler Croft, Lee Smith, Dawson Knox, none of them were doing that this year. They weren't getting... 60 70 yard games you were lucky if you got 40 yards out of your tight ends every single game if you add a Zach Ertz or a young better tight end in the draft or another tight end in free agency that can help Josh and get 50 to 60 yards per game and open the field up in the middle more and get Cole Beasley more open and get Stefan Diggs more open you're going to see this offense go to a next level as Devin Singletary and Zach Moss the answer in the backfield i'm really not sure i really like zach moss i think it's time to move on from devin singletary you have to add a more dynamic playmaker out of the backfield that can catch the ball and also just give you that speed to do what they do with tyreek hill which we have in isaiah mckenzie or andre roberts but brian Dable just did not use them and then speed at the linebacking core truly matters i love matt milano i love tremaine edmonds aj klein did some good things at certain points here But when you saw what White, Levante David, Barrett, those guys were doing for Tampa yesterday, Todd Bowles deserves a ton of credit for why they won that game. And I think Devin White should have won the MVP. They didn't allow a single touchdown to Patrick Mahomes. Those linebackers were flying all over the field. And another thing with the pass rush, it wasn't even like they were blitzing five, six guys all game to get to Patrick Mahomes. There were a lot of times they only ran four with and Sue with JPP, and were able to get pressure. If we're able to get pressure up the middle with Ed Alvar hopefully taking another step, if Star comes back, if A.J. Epinesa makes a step, Harrison Phillips looks like he's finally getting healthier. Having Jerry Hughes, who is one of the top five, you know, pass rushers are applying pressure this year according to stats, If you add another guy on the outside of him that's an elite pass rusher, I'm not talking going out and getting a Mario Addison who underperformed this year and has had an okay career. I'm talking about going getting a Jadavion Clowney-type player, a TJ Watt-type player, someone that's going to get in the backfield and wreck havoc and allow Jerry Hughes more one-on-ones and just create a ton of pressure on the opposing quarterback so you don't have to blitz. Guys like Milano, who are one of your better coverage guys, but is also really good at getting to the passer. You have to look at Travis Kelsey, what he did. Even though he had a good game, he wasn't very comfortable. He was dropping balls. You know, White did a great job covering him. Same thing with David. You're going to allow Matt Milano to do that. If you can find another linebacker to go next to Milano Edmonds, who has speed and coverage ability, I think you're going to be in very good shape. To beat the Chiefs next year the Chiefs showed a ton of holes and I know it's very hard to say that because they dominated the Bills when we played but now that you've seen it now you see them get blown out you have the game plan now you saw what they did against you you can make adjustments of your own just based on that game alone you know you have to go out and add another tight end Dawson Knox is not going to cut it for you all of next year I mean even if he makes that next step Do I think Dawson Knox is going to be a guy that's going to be able to contribute five to six catches a game, or at least every other game? I truly don't think so. I think he's a good, solid number two tight end who can make some tough catches, but he still has a problem with drops, and he still has a problem with fumbles. If you truly want to beat the Chiefs and you want to get to the Super Bowl, you have to find a way to get past rushers. You have to add another linebacker who can cover because we still don't know how to cover a tight end, and we don't have... a do a good enough job covering running backs out of the backfield, especially in the AFC when you're going up against a guy like Lamar Jackson who can run. Justin Herbert for a young quarterback can run. Mahomes is able to run. The Bills have a tough schedule next year. They're going to be playing a lot of great quarterbacks. If you're, I know we play the Bucks early on, but we're going to be playing a division where they're going to potentially have Teddy Bridgewater. He can run Um, If the Saints decide to go with Jameis Winston, he's another guy that can step up if needed. You're going to have to have linebackers that can move. But on offense, we have to get a tight end, and you have to be able to find a way to run the ball. And I think this game kind of just showed the Bills what they have to do in the offseason. I think Brandon Bean will find a way to get done. Every year, he's found a way to improve the Bills roster. And each year, the Bills continue to take a step in the right direction. And I think the Bills are going to take that next step. They are going to get back to AFC Championship game. And I do think they can beat the Chiefs. And they will get to the Super Bowl next year. Not to mention, we are going to get to play them again next year. And you're going to be able to get to play the reigning Super Bowl champions now in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Some great, tough matchups for the Bills. Really test them. And I think it's going to be good for them heading into the playoffs next year. Um, do a face great competition like that and be able to make game plans and adjustments throughout the season to get them there. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Um, I'm going to be looking to schedule something on Thursday or Friday with the 42 North 78 West show. So stay tuned on Instagram for that with me. Please give me a follow there at English Encore Podcast. And I'll still be doing a recording. Um, with Zach this weekend at some point talk some more NBA talk a little bit about the all-star game and all the NBA players who currently don't seem like they want to even have a game so we'll probably take a little bit of a dive into that but thank you everyone once again for tuning in this has been English Encore Podcast Buffalo's favorite sports channel